Hi and welcome to this week's Property Matters, the show that brings global trends to an Irish audience to help shape your knowledge of the industry. You can contact us on Twitter at, I, at iPropertyRadio or by email at hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Your hosts today are myself, Brian Fox, and Carl Tom. Carl. Hello, good evening. Uh, so a few of the quick news stories or some of the big news stories from the week. Uh, first of all, only a fraction of landlords who have rented out properties on Airbnb and other home sharing websites have registered them um, according to the government's new short term letting rules, according to the Irish Times this week. So figures obtained from local authorities and rent pressure zones in Dublin, Cork, Galway and Limerick, where the housing crisis is at its worst, show that very few people have actually registered their properties despite the regulations coming into effect on July 1st. So for example, Dublin City Council received only 110 uh, registrations in stark contrast with the 6,228 active rentals on Airbnb in Dublin. Uh, Galway City Council received eight registrations. Limerick City Council received just two and Cork County Council just two also. Mm, okay, well housing registers, housing charities uh, bid to bid for one billion uh, euro of AIB's bad loans in what is seen as a boost for struggling families. Construction costs are forecast to increase by a whopping 6.3% this year, fuelled by new green energy standards, according to the Irish Independent. And Housing Minister Owen Murphy is considering a use-it-or-lose-it rule to get developers whose sites have plenty of permission to get building faster. And finally, Hammerson plans further de- residential development at Dundrum. Okay, and then in some breaking news, which is relevant to our show this evening, uh, Bartra's co-living development in Dunleary has been given the green light by onboard Planola. Now, this is very timely for us because, of course, tonight's show is a co-living special and we're delighted to be joined in studio by Rumigo founder and co-living expert, Ed Burke. And just before we move on to that, we actually reached out to Bartra earlier and just to get their reaction to the, to the application. And Mike Flannery, CEO, said this is a pragmatic decision based on Ireland's need to embrace new tenure types. The board recognises that there's a place for co-living within the Irish housing market and they look forward to delivering this new and innovative form of accommodation. And um, Mike Flannery actually went on to say that Ireland needs new models of housing to cater for changing demographics, living habits and employment patterns. Co-living is one such response to these changes. It is a form of accommodation targeted specifically at uh, single professionals who do not want a single room apartment and it's worked well in other cities including London, New York and Vienna. Bartra Capital will proceed with the development and implement all conditions outlined by onboard Planola. So Brian, co-living has been causing quite a headache for our housing minister and I know you spoke to him about it recently. Well, it, it, it has and it's interesting because um, you know, this situation has been going, going on for some time and for a lot of us that do not know what co-living is all about, there was a lot of confusion about it as far as I was concerned anyway. Um, and um, the confusion then was further compounded by the minister's statements on it and the press narrative after that. So really... And I put it back to you, Carl. What was your what's your assessment of the planning permission and the fact that it's going ahead and, and the confusion in relation to the whole um issue of co living? Well, look, I I'm um, absolutely in favour of co living and as long as it is affordable for the for the demographic that it's targeted at. I think it's a positive development that Bartra got the planning application. I think uh, it's a missing rung on the property ladder that um, people need. It's, it's fulfilling a specific requirement. It's absolutely not for everybody, and that's fine. It's not designed to be for everybody, but I think it is designed for a demographic that it will suit. And, of course, we're joined in studio by Ed. So, Ed, how did you receive the application, uh, the news of that application being successful? Um you actually kindly forwarded it on to me, so it was interesting to see it. 
And um, I think co-living is going to be a very important part of the fabric of living in Dublin for the next decade and um, probably um, beyond that. What's very important is that the co-living delivered by the various operators um, is affordable um, for the particular target market that they're targeting. Mm-hmm. And I, I look, I, that's been one of the problems. But one of the other problems is that the messaging was just so well, wrong. Well, that's, that's what I want to come to. Yeah. And you, you actually took up that issue with the well, Minister uh, before of we played the, before we played the Before we played the clip, I just wanted to sort of ascertain from you before we do it. Um, there, there is controversy over the rentals as well, over the, the cost of, of um, the rooms. Is that justified, do you think? Well, at the moment, we've nothing to compare it to. That's the problem. So um, I think that when people look at the offering, look at the price and then compare it to what that particular price would buy in the market. Yes, it does look like um, it's a small room and shared facilities, but they're not factoring in the short term use. That this is more of a license than a tenancy. They're not factoring in uh, the sense of community. And I think that's something that, Ed, I know you feel very strongly about with Room Ego. In fact, it was probably one of the driving forces behind Rumigo and that's do you think that's maybe what some of us aren't getting what the rest of us aren't getting maybe we need to explain what exactly co-living is Mm -hmm. co-living is just another word for shared living so there are over 120,000 people in Dublin living in shared living accommodation and that means living in flat shares or house shares Mm -hmm. so it's been done already so what the co-living we're reading about in the media is that's really Flat shares are the co-living that's going to come to Ireland, being managed by a company. So it's like having maybe 50 different flat shares within a building. But so to be fair, it's it's purpose built. And I think that's the distinction because um, you could stay over in our spare room. You're not going to have the same experience as if you go to a hotel because hotel is designed for guests. So I think the fact that it's purpose built is a very important distinction. Well, I I think there are a number of different co-living models. There's one such co-living model which is almost like staying in a hotel where you, you get your room, um, it, it might be a suite, you get services on top of that, like you might get your bed bed clothes changed, your um you um you pay an all inclusive rent and um there might be a concierge service and they may even have a restaurant in the building. It's not even called rent, though, is it? Um, it's um, I don't know how a license fee. Yeah, well, I think I gave a very good background to it there because that's the sort of point I took up from the from the minister. So I think we might as well just play the piece now and uh, see what, how you would react to it and Carol react to it as well. Mm-hmm. Just to get to local issues, there's been a huge backlash about statements you made relating to the proposed development of co-living rooms on Oblana Avenue in Dunleary. Were you surprised by it? Well, I didn't make a statement about any individual planning application because I can't. As the Minister for Planning, I, I can't speak to any individual planning application as it goes through the process. And I was speaking at a conference of planners yes. and architects yes. who have welcomed yeah. these yeah. guidelines yeah. because co-living in other cities does work. Mm. It's about you know seven or eight rooms on suite, which I didn't have my, my first flat um, where you've got a kitchen, but you've also got potentially it's a gym. Living, basically, isn't yeah, it? but I mean, yeah. in some of these places, they've got a, you know, a shared gym. Mm. They've got movie rooms. They've got games rooms, and this mm. all comes into the price of the rent. And it's not for everyone. It's certainly not for families. It's not for homeless people. But I, I see a sector, particularly people coming to work here for maybe six months, twelve months, maybe longer, who don't have three or four friends they can move into a house with, who maybe don't want to sign a twelve-month lease, maybe don't want to go through the hassle of getting utility bills, setting up Sky Sports, whatever they might be into. 
I might also like the social aspect of this. So it's there for a, a very small percentage of the market, but everything we do in housing takes pressure off another part of the market. So, you know, I think it's something that we should have. And now we're starting to see interest. But if you look at the tens of thousands of homes that are going to be built over the next 12 months, I mean, I was saying this last night uh, on, on, on TV, like less than 1% will probably be for co-living. So, you know, when I was talking about this being something that might be exciting to certain people, I think for certain people, particularly those coming into the country for a particular period of time, it will be something that they would go for mm-hmm. over the traditional mental model. Of course, I suppose the criticism there, Owen, is the fact that um, they are not in a particular plight as such, whereas homeless people are. No, exactly. But if, if, if we get them out of the traditional rental sector, mm-hmm. then we free up rental beds for mm-hmm. people who are but it's, in crisis. But the significance of that is it's only 1%. Yeah, but, it's, but we've got to do a bit of everything. Like we've got to look at short-term letting, which we've done now. We've effectively you know, regulated the use of a second property for short-term letting in places like Dublin, Cork and Galway mm-hmm. and other areas. And that might mean, I mean, that might mean in Dublin that over the next 12 months only, and I say only a thousand homes come back into the long-term rental market. And that would be less than a percent. That's a thousand families who didn't have somewhere to rent, now having somewhere to rent. That's not a small thing. Just go back know? to the co-living point. I, I did some research on this uh, and apparently it's very popular in the US, particularly in New York. So again, I get back to the question. I mean, uh, did you not... I mean, I know you're, you're, you, were, you were speaking at a conference and so forth. Um, messaging seems to have gone wrong somewhere in relation to this. Well, I'll, t- I'll tell you what happened. <clears> and, and, you know, I, I accept responsibility for this myself in a way. I mean, I, I was speaking at a planning conference, mm. so speaking to planners so about planning saying. guidelines mm-hmm. and talking about one aspect of the reforms that we've made. Mm-hmm. But as I was making those remarks, people in public were debating a particular planning application that people don't like. And my remarks about the concept were then linked publicly by politicians to this specific planning application. So all of a sudden, I was excited by the idea that 40 people are going to share a kitchen. I'm not excited by that. I don't think anyone would really be excited by that. That's not the concept that I have in the planning guidelines. So that happened then. So it's a media narrative that went wrong? No, I just think it was, it, was, it was unfortunate timing. Should I have foreseen that people were going to link my remarks on a concept to an individual planning application? Perhaps. I don't know. But I didn't say that. But what, what was very frustrating for me was then over the next two or three days, people were saying that I had said this right. when I hadn't. Mm. Um, and sometimes that old adage in politics when you're explaining you're losing. But uh, I didn't want to lose the concept either because I know it's going to help. Yeah. Do you think on board Planala will allow the, uh, the scheme into Leary at this point? I, I can't speak about that, yeah. Ryan, about what I think they will or won't, won't do. What I will say would is... Would you encourage though, that type of co-living around well, Dublin? What, because there are some applications. Yeah, what it. I would say is that the guidelines so far have... Have been, in, have been enforced by Ambor Panola as I would have seen it and that they have rejected already a planning application for co-living mm-hmm. that wasn't in line with the guidelines. Mm-hmm. So as we know it today, the guidelines are robust, but we will keep them under review. That was Minister Owen Murphy there, Minister of Housing Owen Murphy, uh, in an interview I did on another programme I have here at the station. A fairly comprehensive reaction to co-living, Ed, I think you'd agree. He made many, many points on it. Um, uh, the fact, for me, the fact that 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 um, glitch, shall we say, he made at a planning conference seemed to throw the whole idea of of, of co-living into a spin. Which glitch was this? Well, in fact, what what he had said at the uh, conference was that uh, it would be cool. I think what, what was the word, the expression? He said it'd be like a trendy boutique hotel. Trendy boutique hotel, exactly. Yeah, but it it, it totally depends on on a model. Um, so. You've t- there are a number of different co-living models. So, for example, in um, in the US, there's a company called um, Common and there's another company called Quarters in Berlin. And in that particular model, 
um, the, the co-living units are actually apartments for two to five people. So you have, I think, with quarters in Berlin, all their rooms and their apartments are within normal residential guidelines for the size of rooms. What they're actually doing is they're taking a little bit of space from the living area within the apartment. So you still have a kitchen and, and a living area, and you might have two to five rooms, but the actual living space in the apartment is a bit smaller, and they're adding more space then to the shared communal areas within the building, so you actually have apartments. The the common in the United States is quite similar as well. Node Living also has their buildings split into apartments, so it really depends on the model. I think the model the minister might be talking about is a model where you've got suites and the buildings aren't split into apartments, so it just depends on the model. So some of the some of the models out there, you would have a, a fabulous suite with your own kitchen, and um, um, it, it's really high spec. You've got services, you've got facilities on top of it. You may even have a restaurant in the building, and you might describe that um, as a as a, um, a a form of boutique hotel. So I wouldn't entirely disagree, but it depends on the model. That would be a real high end model where you're targeting very high earning professionals maybe making 60 70 80,000 euro a year but for companies maybe like quarters in berlin where the rent starts at 600 euro a month and you're actually in a flat share it from two to five people that is aimed at a more affordable market so okay, and sorry, can i just clarify yeah. there in relation to the berlin market um what's the average rent in berlin at the moment say if you were to rent a two-bed apartment so I think more in terms of rooms because uh, Remigo's all about rooms, mm-hmm. but um, quarters are starting at about six hundred euro, and I think they're they're at thereabouts, say ten ten percent more expensive than a room. So you're you're paying a little bit more to get the 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 community and the shared facilities, but not much more. But but not much more. So I don't exactly know what the average rent in Berlin is, but mm. I, I I think it's about five hundred five fifty. It's significantly lower than Dublin anyway. Okay. Do you think he was looking, uh, but I think um, the minister was looking at too much marketing bump uh, and this thing came to his mind when he was... Look, I I think, I I feel like I say this so often on the show, but that's the problem when politics gets involved. You know, everything, everything sounds different in a soundbite and I've, I have certainly been critical of the minister at various times in the past but actually I think he's been completely taken out of context in his commentary about this and the sound bites have proven popular particularly um, against the backdrop of the severe and really chronic housing crisis and growing homelessness that we're seeing at the moment. So I think that it's been very politically advantageous for people to take the minister out of context in this particular scenario. But um, I, I think that's been done really unfairly and actually in a way that really distorts the commentary. And by the way, you know, when the news of Bartra's development broke earlier today, I shared it across our social media platforms and quite frankly, the backlash has been pretty vicious already. Has it? it has, which means that actually this this rhetoric is working you know yeah. people who don't understand the model as, as Ed well, rightly points exactly, out people right. who don't understand the model um, are commenting on it and, t- and calling it a disgrace not actually understanding yeah. that it's an offering and and there are a number of different types of co-living models it's like a hotel some hotels are one star some are five some are three like any mm. business in the world there are a number of different models so co-living shouldn't be defined by one particular 
offering. And the other thing to note as well is co-living is a new emerging business, so nobody really knows what is going to work. It remains mm-hmm. to be seen what is the ideal model. So we'll probably see several different offerings come into the Irish market and we, we, we'll see which works over the long term. The main thing is that it, it has to be uh, affordable for the particular use, uh, uh, particular member that they're targeting. It has to be convenient and it has to have community because the underlying point is about community. So the minister is absolutely right. People moving to Ireland mm. may, may not have friends and co-living is good for them. But I would add as well that if you don't have friends and you're looking for housemates, you can already do that And Remigo, as has thousands of people have been doing for the last year um, or hundreds every week um, but so with Remigo we're focusing on actually bringing communities together creating little clusters so people can have friends and then they might move into a house share or they might move into uh, one of the co-living operators that is opening in Dublin Okay, well, I'm going to play the devil's advocate here because um, I think one of the things that's gone wrong with the introduction to co-living to Ireland is that I accept there are a range of models, but we've only seen the premium in Ireland. And unfortunately, there's, you know, there's um, maybe an expectation there that that has set the bar. So we're saying, actually, this is this is co-living this is what we define it as and this is what we price it as and we already know that there is only premium co-living mm. in Ireland we don't have co-living that starts at 600 a month and there's none of that on the horizon and if you is look there at the a market for that do you think Carol? For, oh for I that. absolutely think there's a market <clears> because <throat> we already took we took away the studio apartment so we took away the bottom rung of the ladder and as a parent who has a 20 year old living at home I would say that actually we have a whole generation who needs that well if there's 120,000 people or thereabouts living in house and flat shares there's absolutely a market for it but mm. what's actually happened is the people that can afford say five euro rent a month to 600 euro rent a month if you're on a salary of about 27k are being forced to live in shared rooms and live outside the city mm-hmm. and unfortunately I don't see within the next decade or two accommodation a co-living in Ireland being offered at 600 euro because I can't afford to build it at that rate ah, you've answered my question okay but I was going to say is it viable do you think for property I, developers to buy uh, real estate in this in this I, town. I just I, I like I'm not a real estate developer, but I I really don't think so. But what might be viable is for co-living operators to come in and and uh, offer something in the range from maybe nine hundred to a thousand euro, maybe eight hundred to a thousand euro, depending on the location. So eight hundred euro would be a little bit, say eight fifty would be a little bit higher than the average rent, mm-hmm. um, and. That may be uh, viable. Do you, think, do you think the offering makes up for that? So, for example, you know, um, for say for people whose first introduction to accommodation outside of their home is student accommodation, we can see now the student accommodation, there's very little available, particularly in the purpose-built uh, student accommodation blocks for under €1,000 a month. So this standard offering seems to start at about €250 Euros per week. Um, so, Again, I worry that we've essentially set the bar and we've said this is what contemporary student accommodation purpose built looks like and this is how much it costs and we set the bar at about a thousand euros a month and I don't see how that's going to come down. But you have to look, look I, at what people will pay because mm. I can see on Remigo what people are paying every day of the week. So if you're willing to pay over a thousand euros, you tend to be 
are high earning professional and your standards are incredibly high. So for a thousand, say 100 euro, you can get a room and a house share in Grand Canal Dock in Ranelagh, Rat Mines. And these are like, the, these are the areas they all want to live. Uh, they're the most popular areas amongst the high earning tech professional. So if the co-living is at around that mark, it's going to have to be a really high quality offering. Mm-hmm. Um, then people that are, say, willing to pay say 750 to 800 a, a month um, they will kind of be a little bit more open minded in terms of the location of where they're going to live okay no look I, I and, and tell me if one is to pay as you were saying 900 in rent is there a lease involved then that because he was more or less suggesting that the no lease involved with co-living well, but it, it depends on the co-living operator. operator. For example, quarters in Berlin are one of the biggest in the world. All of theirs are actually done on leases. So you can it could be an 18-month lease. It, it, it totally depends. Do you know what the minimum leases are there? Um, I don't know what the minimum leases are, but... Um, um, I think it's it's uh, it's 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 like renting standard residential accommodation, but uh, I'm not sure what the minimum but is. But does that mean you're into six month leases uh, or twelve month leases? Because again, doesn't that defeat the purpose of paying a premium for that kind of flexibility? Um, well, I think their offering would be. I, I, I assume that they would argue is, is actually a much more affordable, cheaper offering than their competitors. Um, and in that particular situation, you're just paying a little bit more than you might be paying in a typical house share, but you do get the managed facilities. So there's a lot more on top of that. You're getting the community, assuming they do their job and they help create, they create the community and so forth. Okay. Ed, I feel like you're going to be um, carrying the weight of co-living in Ireland on your shoulders, but I'm delighted that you're with us for the whole show. So we need to take a quick break now. And when we come back, we might just talk about the other more important aspects um, in terms of community. So coming up after the break, we'll continue that conversation. Everything's fine on 93.9 Dublin South FM. And you're very welcome back here to Property Matters here on Dublin South FM. Myself, Brian Fox and Carol Tallon. Just a reminder, you can contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email uh, hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Carol. Okay, so earlier today I caught up, <coughs> excuse me, with Anil Kera of uh, CEO of Node. And Node are the, the co-living providers in Fitzwilliam Square the one operating in Ireland um, maybe the one that most people would be familiar with now just apologies in advance we did have some technical difficulties with Anil so this recording is cut slightly short but we'll, we'll have a listen to what he had to say now next we're delighted to be joined on the line by Anil Kera, f- uh, founder and CEO of Node Anil you're very welcome thank you for joining us great to be here so Anil you were you were obviously involved in co-living back almost 18 months ago here in Ireland when really we didn't know what co-living was all about. So you might just give us a little bit of background about Node. Sure. Node is a global co-living company that was founded in 2016. And our idea was that we saw that there was a need for better living standards in cities, especially for urban creatives, professionals, um, and entrepreneurs. And we saw Dublin as a city that obviously was budding with those types of people, and also a city that had a huge housing crisis. And so we found an opportunity to um, launch Node in Dublin in Fitzwilliam Square about 18 months ago, Um, and it's been just a fantastic journey, and uh, we'd like to do more in Ireland. 
Very good. And how many tenants do you have? Or actually, do you, do you even call people tenants? What's the correct terminology now for co-living? Are they members? <laughs> well, you know, different people use different names. Of course, some people say tenants. Some people say uh, members, uh, which is an interesting one. Uh, we say residents because residents. at the end of the day, we are creating homes. For people and homes really implies being a resident and uh, a bit more of an ownership and involvement uh, idea resonates much more with being a resident than a tenant which sort of kind of pits you as a second-class citizen uh, you know there whereas you know our residents are, are doing interesting things in the world and quite engaged want to get involved in the communities they don't you know and I think there's just negative connotations of sometimes using the word tenants yeah, no, you're absolutely right. And actually, I think in Ireland, we have a particular history around the word as well. So I, historically, it hasn't been um, a word that has positive, or positive connotations. So you're absolutely right. What are tenants really looking for when they're moving to new urban cities? Well, there's three things, really the three C's. Um, one is cost, one is convenience, and the other is community. And so breaking that in, when we think about cost, they're looking for an affordable solution. Um, housing cities are very expensive to live. So finding a place to live that's cost-effective and works on people's budget is, is super important. Uh, the second thing is, you know, when you just think about the haggles of coming to a city, even if you're from the same country or just coming in from the suburbs into the city, the amount of work that you might have to do to do that, finding a place to live, trusting agent uh, postings, uh, making sure a unit is nice, clean, so finding a roommate, potentially. Um, in some cases, furniture or making sure it's up to standard. Uh, getting to know your neighbor. All of those things are massive. And mm-hmm. so if we can take uh, a convenient offer that, that, that handles all of that by, by facilitating that, that's an important thing uh, to happen. And having a community where you know people, like I said, uh, know people in your building, know people in the area. So those three things of affordability through a cost solution having a place you can connect in community. And um, th- these are really the important things that people are looking for. Okay, and I think community ties very well into the changing needs um, of the current generation and demographic that's actually looking at housing. So I can see how that would work. And it's something that, you know, we have Ed Burke in studio from Rumigo to talk to us about the the massive importance of community and again convenience that's something that we know is a symptom of our on-demand life but cost is one of the criticisms that co-living has come has come under in Ireland and I think it's because the concept itself is quite broadly misunderstood so you might just address that if you could well sure look I think um, any new housing stock that is created is going to be slightly more expensive in urban cities than existing stock because you're getting brand new kits. Okay, and again, apologies for the technical difficulties we there we had on the line there with Anil, uh, founder of Node. Um, and in fact, it was unfortunate that the line cut off there because Anil had so many more interesting things to say about community and how that's created. So we're definitely going to pick that up with him another time. But actually, we might just, Ed, because of course we have Ed Burke, founder of Rumigo in studio with us. Ed, we might just get you to step in there and talk to us about community because I know that that seems to be um, the magic sauce, the X factor, you know, maybe what what many of the media commentators are missing about the conversation with co-living. Yeah, I, I agree. I think community is incredibly important. So I always give the example of when I moved to Singapore, I knew nobody. 
So do you want to live in a new city, even if you're a millionaire in an apartment where you know nobody, you're say you're 27 and um, you're, you're going to be lonely, or do you want to live with a community of friends and a home? So that's what co-living is all about. It's about creating a community and a home. A community has become incredibly important over the last you know decade or so. We've got all sorts of um, communities, online communities, offline communities. So this is just creating a community and a home. So what Remigo does is it helps bring together like-minded people. You could move to Dublin, you don't know anybody. So how do you find other friends to live with? So um, Maya, who will be speaking in a few minutes, um, moved to Ireland from France to work for Indeed.com. She's 28, professional tech worker. But when she moved here, she didn't know anybody nor could she afford a house on her own because if she was to rent a house, how many thousands is that going to cost per month? So she used Remigo then to find two other housemates that they were able to team up together. They had a little group or a little co-living community and then they were able to go off and rent the house together. So that's why I came up with Remigo because I experienced the problem when I moved to, to Singapore. And if you don't know anybody and you're in a new city, it can be actually an incredibly lonely experience. Mm -hmm. And I think people crave community. And um, it's I think it's here to stay and it's here for the long term. But I would say that it can extend far beyond the 20 to say 35 demographic that co-living is primarily targeting now. I think someday elderly people will do it. So even even on, say, Romigo, 70% of our members are, say, between, I think, 23 to 35, but there are some members in their 60s. And I think in the future we'll see co-living uh, companies, um, operators providing a solution that targets a much broader demographic because mm -hmm. people like to, to live with companions, mm -hmm. know their neighbours, and it brings that sense of community to city living because city living can be important. I grew up in the country and we knew I knew my neighbours when, when I was growing up. But now what's happening is people are moving to cities and they don't know who's living next door. They don't know who's living above or below them. They go to work. They don't know who's on the tube if it's in London. And, and it's a, it can be a very miserable experience. So co-living actually, or shared living, Mm -hmm. um, I think is a, is, 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 is a word people are, might be more familiar with, just brings that community to the home. But I think, is it fair to say that there might be a generational uh, breakdown here, as in, and I, I accept what you're saying there, that the need spans um, all age demographics, and that might be very well the case. But I, I think 20 years ago, if we were lucky, even 10 years ago, um, sharing accommodation with strangers was essentially something you did because financially you needed to do it. And as soon as you could afford not to do it, the majority of people chose not to do but, it. But so I, I think people do uh, like or want, and, and we're talking now of the generation you're talking about, mm. their own space and their own front door and back door and, and, and green at the back and so forth as well. Yeah, so I wonder, is that why the conversation is getting a little bit mixed up and the message is going so badly wrong um, and going so badly off message? Is it because... Um, people who aren't familiar with um, this new era of uh, a new generation, this new these new models of co-living, that they're still looking at things that should be um, cost well, uh, cost let benefits. Let me, let me ask or, you one or, question then, mm -hmm. um, and I couldn't keep you out of this for one moment. And and Carol perhaps should be kept out of this as well. Who knew about co-living? Um, up to well, I didn't know about it up to this year myself. Yeah, but if we called a shared living, then we all. Well, did well, a I mean, my, my point being though, my point being. 
that there's been an interesting experience as I came on board on this on this program as well, so forth as well, and the ministers as well in, in this whole aspect of of co living because. But from the research I saw, anyway, co-living, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't come to the States until, or to New York anyway, specifically, until the late, until 2010, 2012, would that be correct? I think I think there were some offerings before that, but it's really only started taking off in the in the last uh, few years. Yeah, so my point being that, you know, something's got to be done here. I'm not going to use the word educate, that sounds a bit patronising, but to inform people of how there is another type of living. Well, I I think that in Ireland, we're just not very familiar with the whole concept of choice when it comes to housing because we very much, um, you know, we grew up in our family homes. Straight after that, we went into student accommodation, which for the majority of us was pretty dodgy and pretty um, dismal. And as soon as you could afford something better, you got something better. And in your first job, that's when you went into either an apartment share or a house share. And as soon as you could afford it, you might have rented something yourself until you saved up the deposit. Those were, again, the days where you could rent and save for a deposit in order to get your first mortgage. Yeah. You know, we didn't we didn't have housing options. But, but, but I would still say at the same point, if I might just use Michael O'Leary's, who's CEO of, of, of Ryanair, here's all adages when he, they were talking about the bad treatment he meted out to customers. People vote with their feet, you mm-hmm. know. And until people can see different offers and different different uh, ways of doing things, their behaviour is not going to change. So my point is that up to now, and you know, over the past three months, we've had this very negative, ne- very negative narrative mm-hmm. on co-living. That that I would I would think that people will be reluctant to look at it now at this point. Um, but again, <clears> this uh, that's the same way we might have said that people would be reluctant to fly with Ryanair. And the reality is that we all do it when we need to get from A to B. Because actually, not only are they the lowest cost, but they also, for the majority of destinations, they have the greatest uh, the greatest uh, flight choice and lots of other well, great options. Maybe so if, if I can jump please. in here. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So if you can, if you can imagine a situation, you moved to Dublin. Say I moved to Dublin from Tipperary, where I'm from, and imagine I knew no knew, knew nobody, and I was 25. And if I um, could find a co-living building with say 100 residents in it, and it is in Rap Mines or, or Ranala or Drumcondra, wherever, in a nice central location, and it had apartments where you were sharing with two to five people, which 120,000 people already do it, nothing new. Mm -hmm. But in in addition to that, if the co-living operator is able to sell to me the fact or prove that they have a community of people, so I know that if I'm moving into my two to five bedroom apartment, I'm going to be living with other like-minded people, say, in the 20s to early 30s. They're going to have similar interests and passions to me. That's a good thing. But not only that, within the building, there's going to be 20 other apartments with two to five people in each apartment. Mm -hmm. And they're all going to be, you know, cool young people working in maybe tech or whatever I'm working in, um, professional services or whatever. It's going to be an international mix, maybe some Irish um, Irish and international mix. So you're going to get, get a great experience of different cultures. And in addition to that, you've got great shared communal areas where people hang out, maybe a roof garden. Uh, it, like, am I going to move in? Absolutely, I'll move in 110% because I'm already going to live in a house share. And if the co-living company gets it right, they're actually doing a house share better. Mm-hmm. So what will I pay to move in? Well, I'm not going to pay less than a house share, obviously. So I'll probably pay a little bit more than a house share. 
but it depends on how much more I pay will depend on the community that they offer, the convenience that they're offering. I mean, if they, if it's in a if it's in a bad location, I'm not going to pay more. But if it's in a good location, you know, that could that could nudge it a bit as yeah, well, yeah. and 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 also maybe they've got other facilities um, and and parks involved mm-hmm. on top of it, which um, which might add value. So, for example, some co-living companies they'll change your your bed clothes, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Some people might want that, but maybe 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 I don't want that, and if I don't want that. Um, You'll yeah. go for a different offering, yeah. but uh, okay. And then we're ba- that's based on the assumption that we have a range of offerings in the market, and that's just not the case in that's Ireland. So I think. This do you think it's going to take off? Uh, do I think it will take off? Mm-hmm. Oh, I absolutely do, because actually I do think that this will become a very viable form of of delivering units attractive, for developers. Attractive, viable and attractive. Yeah, I, I think for construction companies, I mean, we already saw there um, in the early stages of recovery that a student accommodation was the fastest growing sector, and there was a very clear reason for that. Um, it wasn't just demand, because we demand across all sectors. It was that it was a very affordable type um, of um, construction to deliver. But I think the most important thing is not... Um, do I think it'll take off? What we want to see is what we want to see is a greater range of options. So we need yes, absolutely bring in the premium offering, and if the market's going to pay for it, it'll pay for it. But we need to bring in we need to bring in the wider range. And I think it's so important what the minister said um, in in his interview with you earlier, Brian, that you know if a thousand people opt to yeah. go into one of these co living spaces, a that's people a thousand there. people that are moving out of um, other room mm. shares or flat shares or traditional. Um, rented apartments and every I, I mean again I feel like I say this a lot on the show but the reality is every new bed and every new home and every new unit that's delivered to the market must be seen as part of the solution even if it brings its own problems we'll have to deal with those other problems but the reality is at a time for chronic housing shortage Every new bed and every new home delivered into the market is part of the solution. And look, I know that this is something we're going to come back to because, again, we have we have the whole show to talk about co-living. And I'm delighted in in uh, the third part of our show today, we're actually going to bring in somebody who was recently relocated to Dublin and actually hear about the experience on the ground and maybe why decisions were made. So um, uh, coming up after the break, we, we'll continue this conversation. Thank you. Broadcasting to South Dublin on 93.9. This is Dublin South FM. And the programme is Property Matters uh, with myself, Brian Fox and Carol Tallon. You can talk, contact us on Twitter at iPropertyRadio or email hello at iPropertyRadio.com. Now we have a new um, panellist in the studio at, at mo- this moment in time talking about co-living. It's uh, She's from France. Her name is Maya and you're going to tell me your last name, Maya. Showoff. Showoff, okay. You're from, Par- you're from Paris. Born right? and raised. Originally from Paris and you've been here since in Dublin? Uh, late October <coughs> 2018. So tell us of your experience in Dublin from the point of view of looking for accommodation. Um, this was one of my biggest concerns. Um, for a little background uh, story, um, I never left uh, the neighborhood I had always known. No, really? <laughs> so this was a big shock. Um, when I decided to be um, independent and live on my own, uh, I moved six floors away from my parents' place. <laughs> In Paris, yeah. <laughs> same okay. building. That's fine, yeah. That's close to your parents too as well. It's nice. First step into uh, independency. Very good. <laughs> and then one day I just announced that um, I've been contacted by a company based in Dublin um, that I feel that it's a perfect, uh, it's indeed actually, for a sales role. Um, 
I don't know, it was a, the dream opportunity regarding my career and um, the step I wanted to take next. So it was the right job for you, so but in a different yeah. city. Did you know about Dublin? It was. I'm sorry, but uh, I didn't. Didn't know anything. On my next year's to-do list for I don't know here so far. <laughs> and uh, so I decided um, that um, within 12 hours, it took me 12 hours to answer the LinkedIn uh, email. Um, I replied. I said uh, I will go into the process, and then I told my parents. Um, I think everything's going to be uh, fast. Prepare. Um, if anything, everything goes according to plan, and I get the job, I feel that um, within October I. I would have flown away. <laughs> so you had to prepare your parents for that. Well, I am um, their um, first uh, little bird <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> to fly the nest. I like it. <laughs> I, I I left the the nest, but stayed close, and then uh, told everyone, uh, guys, you know what? I'm moving again, for real, abroad, out of nowhere. And, and I think yeah. okay. So j- just just to try and get one thing from you, uh, you you actually speak you you speak good English, but. At the time, where you you had English leaving uh, France, did you? Um, this was my biggest asset, maybe in my level in English. Um, in France, uh, we're bad at languages. And um, the fun story is that I'm the first of uh, three children, and my mom used to cover the books, you know, with plastic uh, <laughs> uh, at the beginning of every uh, school year. And uh, when I started to learn English, entering uh, middle school. She went through the book. She went through uh, uh, to through the corridor, um, ran at my dad and said, we have to invest a lot of money, I think. Um, there's one English word per page in that book. <laughs> <laughs> this is not going to happen. Uh, she will not speak uh, like the French do. <laughs> um, turned out that I do, actually. I sound French. Yeah. But uh, I'm fluent. So they put me at the British Council, forced me oh, to do that for six geez. years. But I thank them for that. Very so yeah. I had so that you had a reasonable good grasp of English. I was that. not scared about that. Yeah, excellent. So yeah, yeah, once yeah. I yeah. set up my mind um, and decided that I will do anything it takes to get the job, um, handle the professional side, um, I had to uh, organize the, anything uh, personal. I'm very um, passionate, sensitive, uh, sometimes fragile. So um, I was wondering if I could uh, make it. Uh, <laughs> Um, in this new life. So mm-hmm. my biggest concern was, uh, okay, first things first, mm-hmm. I have the job, the salary, anything, um, where am I going to live? <laughs> so first thing to, to settle, uh, mm-hmm. I went online, read a lot, and um, thought it was going to be a nightmare <laughs> <laughs> because the li- living, um, finding an accommodation in Dublin uh, looks terrible uh, it, it's terrible if you're based in in um dublin so i'd imagine it's doubly difficult if you're outside the country well, i'm 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 from paris inside paris mm. I, I was born and raised close to the eiffel tower everything has to be central uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so it was not um it was not uh, an option for me to um to live spend more than out. yeah right. to spend uh, to live too far from the city so, center yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. um paris is a big capital i knew i was li- uh, um, living for a smallest uh, yeah. town, uh, for not a town, it's a capital still, <laughs> yeah. but a smallest city, um, and I wanted to be close to, to the center. I needed that uh, to feel well, life. The, of uh, course, the other thing here is that people, the Irish people, don't particularly live in city center, in Dublin city center here. I have met so <laughs> few Irish people actually. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. Um, anyway, exaggerating. So you did your research? I did my research online. Um, mm-hmm. Got scared a lot. Um, and uh, and realized uh, it was going to be a, 
um, a lot of my salary uh, going into accommodation. I thought uh, Paris was expensive. Uh, yeah. I discovered that uh, here yeah. it's even worse. <laughs> and when you, the week you came over to start your job, did you give yourself time before or did you stay in Airbnb or what did you do for the first couple of weeks? You know, I'm, I'm the luckiest person ever <laughs> because once I decide something is going to happen that way, the stars align. By <laughs> themselves? <laughs> no, no. No, the, the, go, go, on, go on. We need to speak to <laughs> We need to interview somebody else, man. <laughs> no, no, no. Because the, no, I, I got very lucky um, um, on this process, and I was very scared. And um, I had a lot going on in my mind, uh, but I needed a place to stay. Um, I started. Uh, I left my previous um, work um, a month before um, I negotiated to leave. A month before, um, before my um, my yeah. arrival in Dublin, so mm -hmm. I could. Uh, mm -hmm. Take the time, step by step, to set up, uh, to organize uh, my thing, um, yeah. and um, and uh, leave a few days before, few days before uh, getting to work, do the tourist, uh, had everything planned. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, my recruiter, uh, who followed my process, uh, told me that um, good news, uh, they are going to pay, to pay for um, an apartment. Oh, um, very nice. Uh, on Leeson Street, uh, oh, totally, nice. uh, totally uh, furbished, uh, very luxurious. I was uh, crying was that, was the, whole way, uh, the whole way uh, on the plane uh, arriving to Dublin. I saw yeah. the apartment, opened the door, I was like, uh, okay. Was it good? <laughs> I'm good. It was amazing. Oh, no. And yeah. did you have that apartment to yourself? I I was, um, this apartment was available um, for um, a full month. Great. So um, you had a month to really get settled with the city so and start to look at housing options. Exactly. The company. Told I hope me other. I hope other um, employers listening in tonight actually pay attention to that if they're relocating well, staff. Mm, yeah. 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 So we get paid an apartment for one month. We have a huge relocation package. So now everything was um, made to to make the make the it change as easy as, uh, as, easy, as yeah, smooth as yeah. possible. So I, I settled um, my mind and told me, okay, I have one month to uh, to find. Uh, I will start um, looking once I'm there because there's no rush and no need. No, nobody's going to. I can't book a place right now. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, because you find accommodation, things yes. happen in, can, in two days see, here. I can see a big shock wave coming here now at any moment um, and d had you intended to live alone or did you know that you'd like to be sharing with people um well my first uh, had been co-living and sharing the same room for 25 years <laughs> with my sister so i said i need my space yes. so my first um natural choice was uh, to find a studio or something okay on my own um a little tour on daft uh, <laughs> that i uh, Sure. In my budget, my budget, I calculated I would be uh, able to pay uh, for rent. Um, discouraged me very quickly. Yeah. yeah. So yes. came um, the next option, which I wasn't really uh, against uh, at all. But um, I was totally um, a stranger um, towards um, house sharing and stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. Living with foreigners, uh, you have concerns. You have um, you ask yourself, uh, am I fit for this? Are they, are they going to support me? I talk a lot. I'm full of energy. When they get home and they're tired, I'm just going to ruin the what energies they the have. Vibe. <laughs> um, am I going to live okay with them? Uh, what if they steal my food? Anything. Uh, just uh, I started wondering about anything. And told me uh, again, I have time. Um, so when did you discover Rumigo? Um, out of curiosity, because. Uh, 
I can't uh, de decide. <laughs> I have um, a deadline of a month, an apartment for a month, and then uh, we'll see. Uh, my employer is okay uh, for me to uh, leave early to visit places, and so it had to be settled. Everything had to be settled. So yeah. I, uh, I kept looking um, and um, looking, inf uh, informing myself about house house sharing. Uh, uh, the, different nationalities that were um, in Dublin. Uh, so I opened myself to the idea. Mm -hmm. And uh, <laughs> I, uh, I told uh, Ed the, the, the funny story. Um, I just looked up uh, house sharing Dublin. Um, Rumigo came up uh, in the results. Good SEO, Ed. Um, so I stopped looking at Daft, which is visually uh, not nice or anything. <laughs> They're not user-friendly. So I like the concept of Rumigo. I just... Decided I was in my bathroom <laughs> at that time. Uh, it was um, two weeks before I left, or three weeks before I left for Ireland. Um, and uh, I just created my profile, as simple as that. Um, updated uh, a nice photo, uh, telling who I was, what I'm looking for. Um, checking all the boxes uh, with the personality traits I felt related to. Okay. Fun, uh, party. It's uh, like a dating app, isn't it? <laughs> It is. And at the time, I was tindering a lot, so yes. <laughs> felt like a game, actually. It made the, the whole process of the new thing so much easier. And um, yeah, you know, I think it um, it helped me uh, relax. And uh, so I did my profile, checked, okay, uh, I wish to be contacted. Okay, I'm looking for houses. I started to look at places. And then, um, a nice story, um, my first housemate uh, contacted me via the platform, presenting herself. We both said, okay, but let's go, <laughs> let's find another person. And uh, I was, um, I contacted um, another guy uh, who seemed uh, uh, matching our uh, our requirements. Right. Um, yeah. The amazing yeah. thing is I didn't have the same budget as them, but we just felt it was uh, the good match, okay. the three of us, they were already here, they met. Um, and then it went uh, very quickly. Um, we FaceTime. We both agreed we were looking for the same things. Um, I gave them my entire blind trust. Um, oh, was the location okay? We we said we have we uh, we agreed per perfectly on the location because we were looking for the same um, area, environment, atmosphere, um, uh, family friendly. Um, with uh, animation, but uh, not a temple bar uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, without not, not lots of clubs. Yeah. And so, yeah. no, uh, perfect match. Uh, and my housemate loves yoga. There are lots of yoga studios in Ranla. Um, it was a perfect plan for um, regarding offices locations. Okay, so did the so the three of you came together and went to house hunting. Yeah, we agreed. This is what we need. Our standards. I budget. Maya, do you trust us with the visits and stuff? I do trust you. Um, I had to deal with a family matter at that time so I totally trusted them entirely okay um when they told me uh, we found a perfect house in Ranella perfect location it looks so nice it's 150 above your budget are you ready to do it um I sent right away the deposits and um I don't know how I sent to a foreign country which I never had been to to people uh, trusting people I, I never um met RL, IRL, um, 170 euros I had to borrow from my dad and uh, off we go. I uh, arrived. Uh, and I can I ask just, uh, and I suppose that this is probably important by way of um, customer feedback and things like that. Did that trust come from the fact that you had met through a platform and you had that time getting to know each other? 
um, the fact that um, there's a profile. Um, mm. I'm I'm sorry, the people when you know nothing about co-living, you, you stick to um, surface. You see what yeah. I mean? It's mm. right as if you were swiping on Tinder, really. <laughs> no, no, you stick to surface. I don't like her face. Yes. She doesn't look nice. Yeah. Blah blah yes. blah. You try to be as bankable as possible. Um, so you try to be as bankable as possible. I think we've just turned a whole <laughs> new set of people off co-living tonight. But there's also the fact that you see the personality traits and the character traits and people have a bio. Yeah, I was coming so to that, yeah. yeah. So it's a little bit deeper. Yeah, okay, so there's a, there's a surface. The description you make of yourself, are you able to look um, um, attractive and um, enough um, so I can want to meet you um, and go further within a little paragraph and introduction regarding you? Yeah. Uh, this is a challenge. Uh, we both, we all um, managed it. Um, and then the tags. Um, I paid really attention to the tags uh, and traits of personality I was living right. or not. And now, now, I mean, what, you're living together six, seven months at this stage? Eight months? I moved in uh, nine months and uh, told uh, quickly uh, bye bye to my uh, to my uh, <laughs> fully paid, uh, <laughs> furbished uh, luxury apartment in order to move as quickly as possible. And uh, how is it home. working? How is it working out for you? Um, living together is actually um, very natural. Um, I'm happy. pretty surprised. Um, they're okay. very clo close to each other. Good. They're a little younger than me. So we don't have maybe uh, the same relations or interests uh, uh, every time, but um, we are we we've never lacked um, respect. Um, we are totally honest um, yeah. to each other, and yeah. uh, I feel like if I get mad at something, something bothers me, I can say it without being afraid. Excellent. And I, I'm very lucky. Very good. So well, you would say that that was a successful a successful move. My story is uh, I'm not the maybe the the most common one. It's uh, super. Perfect story. <laughs> I, look, I, I think that's she important. found her housemates on Romeo. <laughs> uh, no, that's and the main no, thing. That's, that's a strong. And that's, that's a strong the only platform I used. Um, I think it's the only platform that exists in Ireland for that. But <laughs> it's good. It's good to be the best when you're the only one to it. Um, so Brian, after our after our sixty minute um, exploration into co living, are you convinced? Oh wait, yes. I well, I am. I mean, I'm just. It's a new new concept, isn't it? So I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, look. Thank you so much that's all we've time for today I think we could have spent so much longer on this topic and I have a feeling it's one that we're going to return to several times over the next 12 months as more and more of these applications come in and hopefully we will start to see that range that we need well I think it'd be a good idea because as I say I, I, I think myself to many listeners this is completely new and it needs to be talked about well we can certainly do that so from Brian Fox and myself Carol Tallon here on Property Matters I'd like to thank our guests in studio uh, with us tonight um, Mayor you're very welcome and I hope that your time in Dublin remains all as positive as it has been so far. Ed Burke from Rumigo, thank, thank you, you so much, much for joining us. And also Anil Kiera from uh, co-founder of, or sorry, founder and CEO of Node. Apologies for the technical difficulties there. And thank you to Shane Flynn on sound and our producer Katie Tallon. And we will see you all again next week. 